This is the Adventure Church Podcast, and we are so excited you're here. Are you feeling a little dry, not quite yourself? Then you don't want to miss today's message. Pastor CJ is continuing this week with part two of Hydrate, where he'll share timeless truths on identifying dehydration and how to combat it. He also gives several tools for staying hydrated that we all need, regardless of where we are in our Christian journey. We hope you enjoy this message. Take all your sermon notes. Let's get into the Word of God today. I want to talk to you today about keeping hydrated for God. Last week we talked about being dehydrated for God, and the signs of being dehydrated is, uh, if you have on your notes there, it's there. Last week we talked about being dehydrated or signs of that. Number one is the lack of desiring God's Word. The first sign of being dehydrated when you're feeling dry and empty and discouraged inside and feeling dehydrated is that you don't want anything to do with God's Word. God's Word becomes boring. God's Word becomes empty to you. God's Word just becomes God's Word. There's no nothing there for you, and so therefore you just stop reading his word, and how many know the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, so if you stop in taking the word of God, your sword is going to become dull, you're, you're going to become weak, you're going to become fragile, because they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, and the word of their testimony, thy word have I hidden in thy heart, that I might not sin against God, so what the enemy wants to do, he wants to make you not take in the word, and so the word, you have to have the word. You have to have the word. So a lot of times what happens if you don't want to take in the word. The third thing about signs of dehydration is that you don't want to come to church. What happens is you find every excuse not to come to church because, man, and here's some of the excuses that people make. Why should I come to church? They gossip about me. Why should I come to church? They're a bunch of hypocrites. Why should I come to church? They're a bunch of phonies. You hear this over and over again. Well, that's a sign of dehydration. These are excuses that the enemy wants to put in you to stop you from coming to church because they know there's strength in numbers. And what happens is if he can pull you out of the herd or the flock or the family or whatever you want to call it, you become vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy because there's strength in numbers. But if he can get you to isolate and pull you away from the church, that's why the Bible says in Hebrews, don't forsake the assembling of the brothers. Don't forget, forsake the assemblies of coming together, worshiping together, honoring and lifting up the Lord together. Where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst of us. How many ever lifted weights before? I'm the, I can only lift my arm this far. I can lift it. So I'm, I'm a half crooked Christian. Amen. I, I, this is for thanks for Steve Christian. He took me playing racquetball and busted up my arm. Thanks, Steve. Amen. Everybody look at things. Say, thank you, Steve. Amen. So, so God knows my antennas up there. Okay, God. But that's all farther I can go. Um, but anyways, uh, how, many, how many know that, uh, you know, when, when you go lift weights, you know, you, you can go and you can bench press. And, you know, you can do maybe 10 reps on your own, and maybe you can do 50 reps of whatever in a certain amount of weight. But how many of you know that eventually you have a spotter for you, right? And what's that spotter there for? The spotter is there to help you take the weights when you get to a certain point and you're only straining. You can't get that last few inches to get it back on the rack. You know what? That's what the spotter's role is. You know what? That's what the church is. We're spotters to one another. When we see brothers and sisters of like faith feeling fragile and weak and tired and fatigued, it's not a time to criticize or point fingers or put down or gossip about. It's a time to take the bar and help lift them 
together. And that's what Aaron and Hur were to Moses. When Aaron and Hur were, and Moses was losing the battle, what did they do? They lifted up his arms, and once again, he won the battle. The church is about lifting each other's arms up and helping each other, Becky, win the battle. And so we're spotters. So when you see your brother and sister that's tired and walking in fatigue and all these different things, it's not a time to put down, but it's a time to lift up. So when I'm there, man, there's a couple times when I was with my friend Blaze Brigman and Johnny Contelli and all those guys who were lifting weights for football and basketball. There's times, man, I wanted to get back at them. No, man, you lift it up yourself. Well, see, to help me get to see. No, man, you lift it up. And, you know, sometimes you want to do that to your brother and sister. But, you know, that's not what the church is all about. But the enemy wants you to withdraw from the church so that you don't have a spotter to help you when you're, when you're frail. The third thing is this. Your faith is weakened. When you see signs of dehydration, your faith is weakened. You know, I always say that miracles come in cans. Miracles come in cans. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can leap over the, 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 the wall and jump over the wall and all these things that the Bible says. But you know what? The Word of God doesn't talk about can't. It says, I can do all things. So miracles come in cans. And what happens is, is the enemy wants you to get dehydrated and like weaken your faith. That you don't believe for big things anymore. You're not expecting good things to happen in your life anymore. So what happens is, Andy, we walk around limp. And our faith is frail and our faith is weak. And we walk around instead of saying before, like, I can do all things. Now we're walking around saying, I can't. That's what happens when you, when you start feeling dehydrated. The last thing is this. You start feeling all alone. When you get dehydrated, you know what happens? We take on this role of a pity party. You, yourself, and I. You have your own pity party. You know, I always say, man, when I hear voices speaking to me, you know what I always say? So, no, I always say this. You're not speaking to the peanut gallery. You know, this ain't Charlie Brown, you know. You got to watch what you let in. And what happens is the enemy would love to isolate you. He'll like to pull you away and make you feel like you're the only one. But why is it me? Have you ever said this before? Why me? What have I ever done to deserve even one? All I've taken from thee. Why me, Lord? But you know what I'm saying? Have we ever got into that role of doing that? Maybe you're in that role right now. Well, that's a sign, Terry, of dehydration. That I'm dehydrated, I feel like me, I'm just me, myself, and I. That, man, I feel like I'm the only one that ever goes through this. I'm the only one that never wins. And we always got the word never on it. And that's what happened. These are signs of dehydration. But today, I want to talk to you about being hydrated. You know, being hydrated. They say if you drink six to eight glasses of water today a, a day, it's a good thing. Some of you carry around gallons. I, I watch you. Man, you carry around gallons, man. You're like, oh, man, you're a heavy drinker. Amen. And, man, um, yeah, Jeremiah just showed me his. He, Jeremiah, it's so funny. I have to be honest with you. Jeremiah comes to staff, and he's got the little table over there in the corner, and he's got six different things on the table. I thought, what in the world are you doing? Well, this is my de-cleanser de thing, and this is for this, and this is my water. I'm like, man, dude, just drink it. Man, I just drink it. You know, but no, no. See, you got to drink it in sequences. You got to do it. Her brother used to carry around one of those big gulp things. Everywhere Bruce went, carried around big gulp, man. I'm going to tell you, he'd carry even his big coffee cup. It wasn't a coffee cup. It was a coffee mug. And when he'd go into the coffee shop there at our church, man, it'd take the whole coffee pot. I said, Bruce, you can't do that. Well, it's free, man. Hey, I'm going to have it for the whole service. You know, 
But you know what? What happens is we got to hydrate ourselves, and when the more we take in, it makes you feel good. When you hydrate yourself, what does it do to your joints? It makes your joints better. It makes you feel better. It makes you feel exuberant. But when you dehydrate yourself, you feel down and discouraged, maybe feeling less energetic. But anyways, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 through 17, I love what Paul is saying. And I want you, if you have your Bibles, to put your name there. Watch this. Don't you know that you... Murray, Deb, Andy, Rachel, you yourselves are God's what? Temple. He says you are God's temple. God's temple that he created you fearfully and wonderfully. That you are God's temple. And it does, he doesn't stop there. And that God's spirit dwells in your midst. Wow. So not only does Quinn, he create you fearfully and wonderfully, and he calls you his temple, but he's chosen you not only to be his temple, but he's chosen you to live in you. That's why I always say, God, move in me, move in me, through me, and out of me. Move in me, through me, and out of me. God, I'm your temple. I'm your conduit. Move in me, through me, and out of me. Let me be your beacon. Let me be your mouthpiece. Let me be your words. Let me be your hands and feet extended. That I'm your temple. And that, God, you live in me. Have you remember this song? In him we live and move and have our being. Remember that song? That's what he says. In him we live. We, he lives in us. I always say this. You know, think about this. Whenever you think, the Bible says when you're under pressure, God, is, he's holding you up. When you're under pressure, God is restoring you and strengthening you. I want you to think of this. Whenever you're faced, let's think of God living inside you, right? Like you're inside of a glass. Let's picture yourself. You're inside of the glass. So let's say there's pressure coming on this side of the glass. Guess what God's doing? That's you. So when you're getting pressure, maybe you're getting blindsided, guess what God's doing inside the glass of your temple? He's holding up that wall. Just think of that. He's holding up the wall. So when it comes over at the front of you, guess what? He's inside of you. He's holding up the wall. He's holding up the wall. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. So you're getting blindsided from the left. He's holding up the wall. He lives inside of you. And that's the beauty about God living inside of you. He protects you. He's your rear guard. He's your front guard. He, he goes before you. He makes a way where there seems to be no way. Why? Because he lives, Dave, in you. And he supports you and he sustains you. But then he goes on to say this. I love this. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred. Can you imagine that? He's saying that you are sacred. In 1 Peter, it says that we are a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God. This Easter, wait till you see what we do for Good Friday and Easter. But one of the things that you do a Good Friday is you have the what? You have the crowns, right? You have the crowns and so on and so forth. But on Easter, you have the royal robe. And what color was the royal robe? It was purple. And when you see the royal robe, that stands for royalty. Guess what you have on you? You have the royal robe of Christ that lives and dwells and moves in you. So he calls you mom royalty. He calls you royalty. Man, you think queen's got things on you? Man, you, they ain't, can't touch you. Man, you are a queen. You're a princess. You're a king before God. And he says this. He says this. He said he will destroy that temple. I remember when I was a kid, I, I went to uh, New York. 
And I was with Matt Herman, some good friends of mine, and we were at spring break, and we tr decided to drive out to New York because his parents lived in New Jersey. So uh, we drove to New York, and we, we got to meet with his parents because he stayed back in Racine because he was finishing up his senior year, and there's no sense to move in the middle of his senior year to go to New Jersey with his dad, who was a doctor and got a better job in New Jersey, blah, blah, blah. So we went out to visit his parents. And uh, when we got there, they took us into New Jersey. They took us into New York. And uh, we went to this temple. And you ever move, so let's see the movie Rocky? And you, he runs up the steps, and at the top of the steps is their statue of, of Rocky. But you know that flight of steps and how he's running and taking everything he can to run up that steps. And finally he gets to the top and he's exhausted. Well, that's what it was like this temple. Man, we walked up these steps, and it was the very same scene, I kid you not, with all those steps. But the outside of this temple was awesome. It was great. One of the most beautiful architect buildings you ever saw. And, uh, man, but when we got inside of it, it was unbelievable. We got inside. It was gold. It was, man, pillars that were unbelievable. The steeple, man, the windows and so on. But here's the key. Man, if you walk straight inside of it, they had this pipe organ. Remember the pipe organ? Dun, 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 dun. Sounds like they're calling the boats off the lake or something, you know. But they make you know, man, that, look at that. That pipe organ right there, they'll tell you when you come in. That's over $2 million up there, man. Yeah. But they were proud, and, and, and rightfully so. It was beautiful. But you know what? That's what you are. You are that temple. I always say this. Your heart is the road map. Your face shows it. Think about that. And you know what? Man looks at the what? The outward appearance. But God looks at the heart. And God sees the heart of every man and woman. So where does God live? He doesn't live on the outskirt of that beautiful temple there in New York. He lives in the inside. Just like he lives in the inside of you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God created you that way so that you can be that way. God is calling us temples. So each one of us is created beautiful. You ever see the movie Shrek? I'm beautiful, don't you? Come on, remember that movie? I'm beautiful, donkey. I remember that. Man, I watched that with my kids. I don't know how many times. My grandkids, Papa, let's watch Shrek. No, let's not watch it again. That's the only line I remember. I mean, I'm beautiful, donkey. You know what? You're beautiful. And when the enemy tries to come in and tell you you're not, you need to tell a donkey, donkey, I'm beautiful. You know what? When I, uh, if, if, if God wanted us to be different, and a lot of us, we criticize ourselves. We look in the mirror. We don't like maybe our color of our hair. We don't like our style. We don't like this. We don't like that. We're always our worst critics, and we always criticize ourselves the worst, don't we? And the way we perceive things is not even near what people perceive things. But you know what? When I was growing up, I had a complex. I really did. And I'm, I'm very confident in who I am now. But when I was back in the day, when I was growing up, Andy, I had a real strong complex. And I'm not kidding when I tell you, but because I would always think, man, I wish I was different. You know what it was? My brother used to say to me, he said, CJ, you lay on your back, your nose sticks up, you look like a land shark. <laughs> and, and, and you know, the, here, here's the deal. Man, man, I, I was very conscientious of that. But as I grew in the Lord, I realized that God made me one of a kind. And if God wanted to change anything about me, he could have done that before I was born. 
He knit me. Now watch this. He knit me. He knit you together in your mother's womb before you were even born. He made you fearfully and wonderfully. Have you ever noticed why they take your fingerprints whenever they want to frisk you or book you or put you in jail? Because you have one of a kind. And you today are one of a kind. You're unique. The mold was broke when you were born. And some of you are saying, hallelujah. But you understand what I'm saying? So God made you fearfully and wonderfully. God doesn't make junk. You are the best. And there's only one of a kind of you. And you know what? When you have one of a kind of something, guess what it becomes? It becomes a rarity. Isn't that right? Man, it becomes a rarity. I collect coins. And, man, when I collect coins, you get the Carson Cities, the coins. You get the, the Morgan Silver Dollars. How many collect coins and know what I'm talking about? You get the Morgan Silver Dollars. They're the most heaviest uh, silver content in a coin. And I collect these, and I got a lot of the coins. But, anyways, there are Carson City coins that are very rare. And they're very rare if you get the ones from Philadelphia or you get the ones from Denver. That's, not, that's nothing. That's really standard. But you got to get the ones that were made in Philadelphia. California, you get the ones that were minted in different places. And when you get that mint, they're very rare. There's only a few of them that were made. And because of that, the, the value of them are very, very expensive. Guess what? Jamie, you are one of a kind. You are rare. You are very valuable into the kingdom of God. Somebody give the Lord praise. Do you see what I'm saying? You, John, are one of a kind. And Robin's saying, yeah, he's my man. <laughs> Every night before they go to bed, standing by my man. But you see what I'm saying, though, guys? Listen, you got to get this in your spirit. That stop looking at yourself through the eyes of yourself. Look at yourself through the eyes of God. And when you see yourself through the eyes of God, you're going to look at yourself. Hey, I'm not that bad after all. You listen. Not only does he say we're temples, but he says we lives in us. That means you. God doesn't make junk. He lives in the best. And that's you. Man, you ain't junk today. Man, I remember when I used to drive here a lot and come down 70. And how many know what I'm talking about? When you come down 70 and you're coming off from 35 and you go down 70 and you see that boat, that boat salvage yard. Remember that? It was right on 70 over there. I used to think, man, that's Fred Sanford over there or something. You know what? But really, that, that's somebody's gold. You know what? What you may think is junk, God sees you as gold. And you need to stop being your worst critic. And because of that and the way you judge yourself, guess what you're doing? You're killing what God created. You're killing what God has created. If I was tell you that I was having friends, if I wanted to come over to your house, let's say this, Jamie, I'm going to pick on you today. So, Jamie, if I say to you, Jamie, hey, I'm coming to your house tomorrow at 2 o'clock. I'll be there, man. I hope you have the coffee pot on, man. We're just going to hang out. I want to get to know you. And all of a sudden, in the midst of my saying that, Jamie said, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, what's wrong? Well, man, uh, I don't want you to come tomorrow. I want you to come Friday. Well, why can't I come tomorrow? Because i got to get my house cleaned up. Isn't that what we do sometimes? Some of you guys say, I don't care. I don't either. You come, you come to my house anytime. But some of us have that consciousness about us. And if that's the case, can I ask you something? 
God wants us to be cleaned up. Isn't that right? He wants us to be ready, prepared for him to come and live in us. And I wonder sometimes, is our temples, are we clean before God? Are our temples being taken care of? That's what God wants you to be. You see, look at what he says in 1 Corinthians 3.17. Now watch what he says. If anyone destroys God's temple, God destroys that person. Why? Because God jealously guards and protects those things that are his. People always say to me, Pastor, why doesn't God come now? Man, all the signs of the times and all these things are happening. Why isn't the Lord coming? You know why the Lord's not coming yet? Because he's waiting for that last one still. After all, didn't he say he have to leave the 99 to go after the one? He's still waiting for that last one. He wants more to come. He doesn't want any to perish. So he's waiting. We're on the time clock. He can come to like a twinkling of an eye. But he said, listen, Andy, you have friends that need to get saved. You maybe have a relative that need to get saved. I could come tomorrow, Andy, but do you want me to come tomorrow and leave your relative behind? But God is, man, he wants everyone, everyone to know him. He wants everyone to come to the saving knowledge of him. That's why God doesn't come. So I say, God, in your will. Your will be done. But you know what? I don't know when he's going to come and when he's not going to come. But what I do know is I'm going to be ready when he does come. That means I'm going to take care of my temple. I'm going to take care of who I am. I'm going to take care of that when I am going to be caught up in the air with Jesus. Man, I'm going to go through this roof. I'm going to have shingles on my head, whatever that's going to look like. But I'm going to be ready. Amen? I'm going to be ready. You see, how, how do we destroy God's temple? Number one, not reading his word and praying. You see, listen, good in is good out. Bad in is bad out. A good man brings good and good is stored in his heart. An evil man brings evil and evil stored in his heart. Out of the overflow of his heart, his what? His mouth speaks. So whatever you put in is going to come out. I learned a lesson. you got to put higher octane gas in your snowmobiles or otherwise they're going to blow up. Amen. I learned that secret. Amen. I found the results of that. And now I'm paying for it. How many of you are paying for it because you're not taking in the word of God? You see, how can you be sharp and effective and alert? That's why Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 says, pray. Pray in the spirit to be alert. How can you be alert of the attacks of the enemy if your antennas are down? My antennas are lame right now. But the Lord knows my heart. I can't get the victory right now, but I'm getting it. Amen. I'm catching my healing. Another one is not taking care of your physical body. Not taking care of your physical body, not sleeping, man, not sleeping right, maybe not eating right, maybe not exercising, taking care of what God created, created you to do. Now, number three, putting things into your temple that you should not put there. Putting things into your temple. What are you taking into your temple? When I was doing drugs and I was doing the stuff, I knew what I was doing. Man, I knew what I was doing. It was destroying me. That's why I had six surgeries because it's all messed up. They still want to do another surgery on me. You'll hear some of that on Tuesday night at my testimony. But the key is what are you taking in that is destroying something that God made? You see, you know what's right and what's wrong. You know what you're doing that's destroying this temple. Number four, always giving out and not replacing with something new. Not replacing we're always giving out. You know they say the people that burn out the most, teachers, doctors, lawyers, you know, nurses, pastors, bartenders. Why? It's because you've got a lending ear to hear what people are saying. And what happens when you hear, man, 
All they're doing is and your ears melting, and yet you're giving out. And what are you taking back in? I'm telling you this one from experience because that's what happened to me two and a half years ago when I got burnt out. And out of my burnout, I made wrong choices. And out of my wrong choices, I paid the consequences. You see, it's important that you hydrate yourself, that you take time and replenish that what you're giving out. Because if you don't take time to replenish, you know what the Bible says? A blind man can't lead a blind man unless you both fall off a cliff. So how can you lead others if you yourself are blind, if you yourself are empty, if you yourself are discouraged? You see, that's why it's important. Replace. You mothers, man. I look, I look at Jessica, man. I, 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 I'll tell you, we go back, and I love these people, Terry and Jessica. I love them. But they got, she got her hands full with kids. How many got five, right? Five kids. Can you imagine how busy that is? Man, Jeff and, and Robin, how many kids you had through the day? Seventeen? Fifteen. I knew it was close. The Gaffney's got you beat. They got seventeen. There you go. Anybody got eighteen? Eighteen, nineteen, twenty. All right. Hey. But but you but can you imagine the energy that you guys exceed? Man, I feel for 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 moms that man finding time to replenish what you give out. Man, Robin, I can't even imagine the years. Bless your heart. And you still keep giving. This lady is the biggest giver I ever saw in my life. I, I, I can't even begin to make me want to cry. Seriously. And by the way, hey, high five. High five. Congratulations. I saw you in the paper. You won your awards. Isn't that cool? I saw that, man. Your basketball. I saw that. Didn't think I saw that, huh? Got you where I want you. Now I'm going to get you. Amen. But you understand what I'm saying, though, guys? Listen. If you don't replenish yourself, Gail, we're going to burn out. And if you ever take a match, a stick match, try it. Take it and light it. And then lick your fingers and then touch the head of it so you can hold on to it. And it will burn out to the other end. And then try to relight it. There's no substance there anymore. Because everything has been burnt away. And we wonder why we're walking around saying we're Christians but we're hollow inside. It's because we're not hydrating ourselves and taking care of the temple that God created and you see, God wants you to be vibrant. He wants you to live in victory. He wants you to be a conqueror. But how can you be a conqueror if you have no strength to fight the battle? You see, listen to this. God has given us this wonderful temple, and he expects that we take care of it until he comes. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, from verse 12, I believe we're going to, are we going to go down to verse 12, Jeremiah you can read all those other ones, but I think at the, at the last verse, Jeremiah, you know what we talked about. You got it? All right. Is that it? No, that's not it, Jeremiah. The last, yeah, the last one. You are your own. You were brought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So what he's saying, listen, you can read all those other verses, but the key is there. Honor God with your bodies. Take care of yourself. Take care of what God created. How many of you want to honor God? Seriously, I know we all do. But you know how you honor God? It's just not by coming to church, but it's honoring God by taking care of what he's given to you and your possession. It's honoring God by, Lord, I'm going to entrust what you gave him to me. And I'm going to take care of me. 
Sometimes, can I, can I say this in a, in a, with a tongue-in-cheek? Please understand when I say this. Sometimes we have to jealously guard our time. Sometimes we have to just say, wait a minute, no. Can't do this. Can't do this. I have to take time. You know, I always say, if you're too busy to pray, you're really too busy. Because, man, I'll tell you, if you were on the airplane with us coming back from Mexico, it was hilarious watching Janet Marsh grab those arms. When that, that plane went through that turbulence, Janet grabbed that arm. <laughs> you didn't think I saw you. She grabbed the whole of that arm. I could see her. She's praying in the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. Man, and then, then when it got smooth, man, I could tell she was really in trouble because after the plane leveled out and the seatbelt signs went off, she went right to the bathroom. <laughs> She's going to kill me, amen. She loves me. But you know what I'm saying, though, guys? Listen, taking care of who we are. You see, the reason God made us is so that he can dwell in us and to live in us. Can you imagine that? Can I ask you a question? Have you ever made anything in your life? Have you ever made anything in your life that you were proud of? That maybe that you were proud of, that you were made something in your life, and that man you were proud of? Uh, Carla, come here, come here, Carla. Rachel, come here, uh, Grace, come here. I, I, I've asked them to do this for me, okay? I asked them to help me out. So I want you to see something. Now, they have no idea what I'm going to do, but t tell me, what, whoa, look at that. That's, what is that? Just a bunch of flowers. And Show that to him. Look at that. I didn't even know you could do that with clay. Can you can you see that back there? Look at that. That is a. What does that mean to you? Um, just like creativity, and I've always liked flowers, and I just thought it was. Let me see that. Now, isn't that? Look at that. Isn't that? How do you do that out of clay? What happened to it? All that. Now, now, now let me let me see what you got. Tell me tell me about it. Well, it's a heart. I love God with all my heart, and the big heart is God, and the small one's mine. So I don't know. Let me see that. You see that? Look at that. God's the big heart. Her heart is within the heart. But you notice what you guys just did? You can sit down. Go ahead. But you notice what you just did? What did you do? Oh, some of you wanted me to give me the right hand of fellowship for them. <laughs> but here's the point. That's what God done for you. Just like you said, oh, that was beautiful. I don't know how you did those flowers. You're going to have to show me that. We're going to take an art class after church. Amen. <laughs> but the point is this. You see what happened? The reaction that you guys gave. You should have seen Gail in the first service. I thought she was going to come out of her chair. But the point is this, Steve. That's what God did for you. And when we don't take care of our temples, we're taking it in our own hands. And we're destroying what God made. And what do you think God's doing in heaven? Why? Ah, oh, I created you fearfully and wonderfully. What are you doing? He's doing the same thing. And we here in the physical sense, we saw a piece of clay. 
that hurt us when we crushed it. But the Bible says, don't you know that we, he is the potter and we are the clay and he's got you on the potter's wheel and he's making you into fine instrument. He's making you into a vase or a cup or a flower pot or whatever it may be and he's made you fearfully and wonderfully and all we can do with it is trample it. Somebody say, ouch. Isn't that true? You see, so how do I keep hydrated? I love this. and I, Very simple. Number one, laugh more each day. <laughs> Write this down. I don't have this on my notes, but this is something that I always do, and this is a nugget that I keep for myself. So I'm giving you my, one of my treasure, my treasure nuggets, okay, how I get through things and what I do. And I didn't put them on the notes deliberately, but I didn't feel I was going to do this until. All right, number one, how, what I do when I'm faced with situations in learning to laugh, number one, through this, I learned to laugh at myself. I learned to laugh at myself. Uh, Andy, I, we make mistakes all the time. I make mistakes all the time. And I have to learn to laugh at myself. I'm a perfectionist in some areas. I'm very detailed in a lot of different things. But I have to learn to laugh at myself. And sometimes we, we take life too serious. And we have to laugh at our mistakes. We have to laugh at those things. And we learn from them. Not that we keep doing them, but we learn from them. We laugh at them. Number two, I learned to laugh at circumstances. You have to laugh at circumstances. What I mean by that, I learned to laugh at those things. Now, get this. I learned to laugh at those things I can't control. Did you hear what I just said? I learned to laugh at those things, too, I can't control. Because what happens with us is that we get so crazed by the things we can't control. I'll make you relate what I'm saying. I wish I could tell my daughter she straighten up or tell my son she needs to straighten up or tell my boss. And we can't control that. That's the individual will by them. But it drives us nuts. How many know what I'm talking about? So I learned to laugh at circumstances that I can't control. You know, when we were in a church of 1,200 people in three campuses, we have 17 people on staff. You think that, man, I didn't learn how to laugh? Man, when I couldn't be at the other three campuses, I'd go there on video or i go there and preach once a month or whatever I used to do when i go to these other campuses to speak. But I'd come back and our staff would meet together on Mondays and they would tell us the stuff. And I'm like, well, you did what? And I always learned a lesson. I got scars on my tongue. <laughs> Pastor, are you okay? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Listen, learn to laugh. And then thirdly is this. Learn, this is a big one, learn to laugh with others. Don't laugh at others, laugh with others. Learn to laugh with others. Uh, you, you hear what Pastor is saying today? Learn to laugh with others, because that's what Proverbs 17, verse 22 says. Watch what he says. He says, but a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. So have you taken your medicine today? Do you know it costs, takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile? You know what I also say? A smile costs nothing, but it creates much. Did you hear that? A smile costs nothing, but it creates much. But sometimes we as believers, the Bible says in Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is our strength. But sometimes you're like a dog with your hair standing up and you're growling. 
Don't you touch me. I haven't had my 12 cups of coffee yet. And man, you're walking around, you're foaming at the mouth, you need a rabies shot. And we're walking around, but you see, laughter is like medicine. When you start laughing and learn to smile, learn to laugh at situations and circumstances, you know what it does? It sets your endorphins in motion. It sets your endorphins. It's almost like an adrenaline rush that, man, I feel good. Da, 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 like I knew I would now. You don't know that neither. So good. <laughs> Murray, no. Murray is the jukebox of jukeboxes. You see, listen. In other words, laughter fix or heals the dry spots in your life. Are you dry today? Are you parched? Are you empty? Just like medicine heals the pain or the aches in your physical body, the end verse says, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. When you are always upset, angry, and mad at the world and worrying about the small things, it dries up your spirit. Your spirit starts to dehydrate become, and you become worried about everything. How many of you know about worry warts? Some of you can become a worry wart. Well, let me encourage you. Get out some compound W. Cover up that wart. Laughter or joy refills your spirit and refreshes your soul. In Proverbs 18, 14, I, I love this. The human spirit can endure sickness, but a crushed spirit, who can bear it? Man, a crushed spirit. Sad. Always down, depressed. You know that we, just, we are the most freed country in the world. Can I just say this honestly? I read a statistics a while ago that United States, obviously, we have the most liberty here. We have our most, we're the most free state or country in the world. That's why everybody wants to move to it. We have all the pleasures of, that we can possibly imagine. We're one of the wealthiest countries in the world. We have all these things, but can I ask you a question? Why are we the number one, number one country in the world that has to use antidepressants? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Can I tell you why we're the number one? It's because we got to loosen up. Take a chill pill. Is life really worth getting that mad about? We make little things from an anthill into a mountain. Then we got to face the mountain. Then the mountain intimidates us. And then we go run away from it. What we took so small, man, that we had to get our last word in there and get the thing. We made it big. Now that mountain is roaring at us, and all we're doing is retreating. And let me ask you something. Was it really worth it? Is it really worth it? And now we have to go up this way and go down that way instead of what God wants to make the crooked way straight. But because we took that little, little thing, we made an anthill into a mountain because, oh, I got to get my last word in. I got this. Philippians 4.4 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it, rejoice. Rejoice. Notice Paul says rejoice in the Lord always. In other words, said trust him. Believe in him and allow him to work in everything out for you. You know, I, I did a series, and I've never preached the same message twice, so I, I don't think I'll ever preach it here, but I did a series that uh, was called The World's Toughest Jobs. 
And I'm not talking about that show on TV, Mike, you know, remember Mike? And she would go and clean all these messy things. And I'd say, how in the world can you do that? I just, ugh, no, not me. But you know what one of the world's toughest jobs for us as Christians is? Trust. You see, listen, a lot of you can eliminate your worries, your frustration, your anxieties, your pains, and all these things if you learn to trust. Jesus, I, I trust you, Lord. We can quote Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean unto the own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. Many of you can quote that, but it's harder to live that. You know why we're afraid to trust? Because number one, we take our yesterday's experiences into our relationship with God today, and our yesterday's experiences may have not have been happy, 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 happy. So therefore, we don't trust God because I got burnt by my dad, I got burnt by my mom, I got burnt by my coworker, I got burnt by my boss. So why should God be any different? But you know why? Another big thing why we don't trust God because we're control freaks. If we don't control it, and if it don't happen the way I want it to happen, forget it. That's not how God works. God says, you cast all your cares upon me because he cares for you. That means letting go. And if you're like a fisherman like Jeremiah, whew, that dude knows how to hit the spot. I don't know how he does it, but he does. And he catches the biggest fish. I don't know. I think he sages them. He puts them there before I come. Those are staged fish. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced of it, Jeremiah. They are staged fish. He goes to my lake by my, by my cabin up there in Kadat. I've never seen a fish that big in my life. I've been going there 10 and a half years, fished for all my time with my grandkids and their Snoopy toothbrush and all that kind of uh, uh, fishing pole. I meant to say it's not toothbrush, but fishing pole. And I never seen a bass that big. I take Jeremiah out of my boat. He's not in there 10 minutes. He throws it out there. Man, almost flew out of my boat because this thing attack the lure. He reels in. I said, where did you get that? Man, you set that up. I've never seen a fish that big. But you know what? That's what God wants you to do. You see, you cast it. You know why he says cast? Because out of sight, out of mind. Because God wants you to cast it out of your sight so you don't pick it up again. It's not like this. You have it in your hand. Oh, stay there, God. You must not want to take it from me. Hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more. You see, in Proverbs 31, 25, and we close. I love this. This is about the uh, virtuous woman. And uh, I love this statement because look what it says. She is clothed with strength and dignity. And look at this. Look at this last line. She can laugh, she can laugh at the days to come. Wow. That is, come on, Mom. High five me. You know that's good. She's tracking with me. All you guys are sleeping. Mama, you're staying with me. All right, all right. Amen. She can laugh. You want to get somebody mad, laugh in their face. You want to get the devil mad, laugh in his face. She can laugh at the days to come. You see, well, listen, women like to feel secure and safe. This is your time to say amen, women. All right, good job. Now, men, this is the time for you to say amen. Men can just blow things off. 
it's easier that way. Come on, man. Say amen. You bunch of liars. I know your wife is next to you, but that's true. And you know what, though, guys? Listen. You want to feel secure and safe, women. And guys, you want to let go of the stress and cast it at his feet. As we close, you can read Galatians 5.22 yourself, but how to keep joy and laughter in your life. Look at the positive things more instead of the negative things. Stop focusing on that one negative thing when God's done 99 good things. Man, is life really that bad? All somebody, you know what? It doesn't matter if you had a million dollars. You're going to say, man, I wish I got a million and one. That's what sometimes people are. Oh, God, give me a million dollars. Oh, wow, he could have gave me a million and one. We've always find something to complain about. Number two, don't take things so seriously. Loosen up. If you take your hand and you squeeze it as hard as you can and hold it for a minute, hold it for a minute, just do that, and then open it up real slowly, guess what it does? It hurts. And you know what? You wonder why you got some of the aches and pains and emotional things that you're going through in life because you're walking around all tense. And you're all wound up. And you're tired and you're fatigued and you can't go near you. And, man, all these things, you've got nothing to give. And because, and you're mad at the world. i got a right to be mad. You know what they say? A soft word turneth away wrath. Number three, allow God to work on your behalf. Doesn't the Lord say that the battle is the Lord's, not yours? If the battle is God's, then stop fighting and let him. Let him fight. Let him go before you. That's why he says he'll make a way where there seems to be no way. And sometimes we get in the ways that he can't make the way. Number four, get around people who love to have fun. I, I, I tell you, you can be with the stayers and nayers. You can be with those stayers and nayers. But I want to be with the runners and hunters. I want to be with people that enjoy life, that have an adventurous spirit. You know what? They say the average age is 76 years old. Can you imagine that? Is it really worth being all mad at the world? You have one life to live here on earth, but you got eternity to live in heaven. Live it to the fullness. Stop worrying about the little, little small things. I was going to say stupid things, but I did it anyways. Number five. Start or get involved with things you enjoy instead of work. Did you hear what I just said? Some of you are workaholics. When's the last time you did something outside of your routine? I bet you'd freak out. If you did, you wouldn't know what to do. That's what I love about Steve. He plays racquetball three times a week. That's why he can kill me like he does. Amen. And he has no mercy. Amen. But you know what, guys? Listen. When's the last time you broke out of your box? I loved it when I heard that Dan and Sue went on a vacation for three weeks. Hallelujah. I, I heard some of your stories Friday night. I'm so proud of you two that you broke out of your box and said, hey, we're, we're going. Regardless if we have the finances or not. They even slept in their car, I think. Amen? But you see what I'm saying, guys? Listen, do something for your pleasure. Man, he, Robin... You know why I asked you to play the guitar? I'll tell you why. Because you put it on the shelf. 
And when I prayed about it, God put me, you pull her out of the shelf again. And use that talent that you have. And you know what? It's fun to watch you play now because I'm watching your gift. How many of you put your talents on the shelf? And you're wondering why life is a rut. You know what a fad is? Fad stands for for a day. Fad. That's all a fad is. That's not God was talking about. He's talking about a lifelong journey, an adventure, adventure church. Hallelujah. Amen. Read things that make you laugh. Come to my house. I have three joke books. No kidding. My favorite place is the library and it's the bathroom. Amen. No, really. When, when I was uh, in the cities, I used to read the comics, but now you guys don't have the comics here. But I had to go out really seriously and buy three books. Really, I do. And it's called Holy Humor. And I'll read these books just to get a laugh. And when I take my grandkids for the summer, no kidding, that's true, no kidding. I'll go and buy these. How many of you remember, Kari, you, you got kids, the little popsicles that got the sayings on the little on the handles, the little jokes. Why does the orange get squeezed? To make orange juice. You know, just little goofy things like that, but it triggers your mind. You know what I did? I went out and brought a book, and I showed this to Jeremiah. I went out and brought a book. It's called 300 Ideas. Try this. It, it, all it is, each day, it got a, a thing. What would you do if you had a million dollars? That's all it is. And each day, it's got another saying. So I write, what would I do if I had a million dollars? What would you do if, if you uh, didn't have any food? And I write. And what it does, it keeps my mind fresh. And I was showing Linda the other day my dream book. Every day I'm in my dream book. How do I write these sermons? It comes out of thoughts that God gives me every day. And I write it down. And so what I'm saying, guys, listen, find something to make you laugh. And lastly, start laughing more and it'll form a habit. Start Learn to laugh. They say if you do things seven to ten times, you create a habit. And uh, guys, I, I just want you to know that if you read Galatians 5, verse 20, love and joy. You know what joy spell stands for? This is what joy stands for. If you have your paper, write this down. This ain't on your notes because I'm closing. If you were with us in Mexico, you should have seen us in Mexico. Pastor Steve, when he said he was closing, forget it. That meant it's another hour. Amen. Man, our eggs got burnt, our toast got burnt, our bacon was overcooked because, man, this guy, when he said he was closing, forget it. When he closed his Bible, said it's done, forget it. It was another 10 minutes. So I got 15, 20, 25, 30 minutes, amen? No. You know what joy stands for? Here, the J for Jesus. Keep Jesus first. Keep Jesus first in your life. Keep them first. Seek ye first the kingdom, Matthew 6, verse 33. You know what the old stands for? Others. You know what? When you think you got it bad, go start talking to others. Man, when we were in Mexico, man, I can't tell you the tears that we saw in our group. Tears, man. You should have seen, Rachel. It was amazing. The tears after tear after tear. People of the poverty and the things that these people went through. Driving through towns that, that the cartel came through and just totally destroyed those towns. Just... Unbelievable. It was worse than hurricane that came through in New Orleans. That you know what the J stands for? Yourself. Jesus first, others second, yourself third. You see, 
When you keep it in that sequence, you're going to have joy. Because Jesus, you're my all in all. You're my everything, God. Nothing more, nothing less, you're my all. And Lord God, I'm going to be a servant for you. Your hands and feet extended, God. I'm going to make others a priority. And then myself third. You watch what happens. Will you stand with me today? Thank you for being patient. Thank you for coming out today. Marilyn lives out in, in Voyager Village. And, man, the roads out there, I don't know how they were, but they usually don't get to them right away. And thank you, John and Robin, for picking her up. And, Marilyn, I'm so proud of you being here. And I really am. And for all of you today, I was expecting me and my wife and the mouse and Jeremiah. Amen. But we got the mouses in the house, and that's you. Amen. Boy, they say mice uh, multiply fast. Boy. We got a lot of mices in the house, amen. You multiplied. But I want you to do me a favor, right where you're at. I always say you have to position yourself to receive. If you ever notice the woman at the well, she was at the position to receive living water. If you ever notice the man that was at the gate beautiful, he was at a position to receive. Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. He positioned himself to receive. If you remember the person at the pool of Bethesda had all kinds of complaints. He said, I can't get in because people get before me. But finally, he put himself at the position to receive. In other words, right where you're standing at right now, I want you to position yourself to receive from God. Position yourself to receive from the Lord. Whatever that may be, only you know what you need in your life right now. And I want you to just take this moment to meditate. They that wait upon the Lord, he'll renew your strength. Just, Lord, we position ourselves. God, you know our needs in our lives. Lord, and once they were positioned to receive, you came to their aid. You came to their rescue. You came to help them. Lord, we position ourselves right where we're standing. Lord, whether it be in financial, physical, spiritual, emotional, mental, Lord, we position ourselves to receive all that you have for us today. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for you, the joy unspeakable and full of glory. Thank you that, Lord, as we position ourselves, that the joy of the Lord, Jesus first, is our strength. Lord, we give you praise and we give you glory. We give you honor. I ask, God, that you pour into every individual here today. I thank you, Father, for those that didn't make it today. I ask that you watch over them, Lord, and meet them. And maybe they'll listen online or listen to our sermons on there, Lord. Whatever it makes, uh, takes, Lord God, to get the word in their hearts. Lord, bless these wonderful people. Bless our business meeting now, I pray. And we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said. Now let's give the Lord praise. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We here at Adventure Church would really love to hear from you. You can connect with us online. Find us on Facebook and Instagram by using at Adventure Church Siren or check out our website at adventurechurchsiren.com.